Nation. Let's talk hockey. Welcome to the Gackle Report brought to you by the Bay Area News Group. I'm your host, Paul Gackle, coming to you from DuPont Circle in Washington, D.C. The Sharks finished their road trip with a, quote, pretty average, end quote, 2-2 two and two record. That's from Joe Pavelski. The injury bug sweeps through San Jose's dressing room, and Kevin LeBanc's offensive struggles continue. But let's lead things off with the controversy in the nation's capital last night where the Sharks lost 4-1 to the Capitals, just their second regulation loss to Washington since 1999. Now, the Sharks came into this game with one major penalty for fighting on the season. That was Joe Pavelski against the Nashville Predators on November 1st. They leave town with three as Jumbo Joe Thornton and Barkley Goodrow both drop the gloves. Timo Meyer gets into a half scrapper, I would say, with Brooks Orpik, but that one could have gone too. And then Brendan Dillon gets a major penalty and a game misconduct for a vicious slash on Madison Bowie. I am expecting a fine to come down today on Brendan Dillon. And all this started because Joe Thornton knocked TJ Oshie out of the game with 327 left in the second period. Oshie appeared to suffer a concussion on the play. It's officially being termed as an upper body injury. Surprise, surprise. The Capitals took exception to the hit, and all of a sudden the Sharks and Caps are going at it like the Republicans and the Democrats fighting over tax cuts, health care, and the debt ceiling. So here's what happened in my opinion. Oshie goes in to hit Couture as he's trying to clear the puck up the boards. He lunges towards him and starts to fall. Thornton, meanwhile, is coming in from the side, turns his body to hit Oshie with his backside. Oshie is falling to the ice right as Thornton turns his body. So by the time Thornton delivers the hit, he's actually down on the ice and basically Thornton's hip lines up perfectly with Oshie's head. His head winds up getting sandwiched between Thornton's hip and the boards and all of a sudden we have a red jersey down on the ice. Here's what Joe Thornton had to say about the hit. He was just falling a little bit. It's not like I ran him or anything. I bumped him and it felt like my hip hit him in the head. Just unfortunate what happened. You don't want to see anybody hurt, obviously. It's just too bad. Hopefully he gets back quick. Now I've watched this play in super slow motion to determine whether Oshie was down when Thornton committed to that hit. He was definitely falling. But you have to remember, this is all happening in real time. Super fast. Hockey is a super fast game. The mind makes a decision, in this case to make a hit. The body follows through. I don't think that there was actually time there for Thornton to realistically process all the information and go, hey, you know what? He's going down to the ice. If I go in, I can smash his head against the glass of my butt. 
The truth is, by the time the mind decides to make that hit, even if Oshi wasn't falling or not, that's just how fast it happens. And, you know, maybe you can say that that hit was a little late because the puck was up the boards by the time it came in. Maybe I'll play ball with that. But, hey, there was no penalty on the play. And there's just no way that you can say it was a cheap shot, a dirty play, a headhunt, a hit thrown with the intent to hurt. Nevertheless, after the second intermission, Tom Wilson, who entered this game with 55 fights on his career fight card, that's according to HockeyFights.com, Wilson initiates a fight with Thornton. Thornton stands up for himself. He's a big boy as he liked to say. He takes a shot in the face, and then all of a sudden, this hockey game turns into the WWF's Royal Rumble, which is actually kind of funny, because before the game, DeBoer was asked about whether he was worried that the Sharks don't play the most entertaining style of game, and he said this isn't WWF. Well, it was last night. But even Wilson seems hesitant to call it a dirty hit. Here's what he told reporters in the Capitals dressing room after the game, including the Washington Post. He's an honest player, Wilson said of Thornton. He was one of my favorite players growing up. He's what's good for the game. And in that instance, that hit, I didn't like it personally. I don't think our team liked it. Anytime a guy is down, it's kind of a no-hit zone. It's part of the game. He stood up for himself afterwards. I respect him for that. But Osh is one of our best players. He's one of the leaders in this room. Honestly, it's not great to see that hit in that instance. Obviously, hoping Osh makes a full recovery and feels better soon. You know, it's such an old school mentality. And I think that that's what DeBoer and the San Jose Sharks took exception to. One of our guys gets hurt, now it's an eye for eye. Look, if it is a dirty hit, I'm okay with a little bit of vigilante justice every now and again in the heat of the moment. But there wasn't a penalty on the play. The Caps had the opportunity to go back into the dressing room to look at the hit and assess whether it was dirty. There was a cool down period there. Calmer heads should have prevailed. Instead, Wilson ramped things up, ensuring that the third period turned into pro wrestling. It's not just the fight that he initiated with Thornton. It's everything that comes after. Here's DeBoer's take on that hit. Quote, if someone were to grab Joe in the heat of the moment after the play because they thought a liberty was taken, then I've got no problem with that. But to go into the dressing room, think about it, come out in the first shift and do that premeditated crap is just garbage. And that's why I'm with DeBoer on this one. Look, hockey is an emotional sport, no doubt about it. It's a fast sport. It's a physical sport. There's no stepping out of bounds in hockey. The players are holding weapons in their hands. Guys are going to get hurt in this game and there is going to be conflict. There is no taking that out of hockey. You are going to have conflict when you put these super huge athletes 
into these circumstances. That's the game. You've just got to live with it. But what I think this game is evolving away from are those premeditated revenge fights that Pete DeBoer is talking about. As much as those old Colorado Avalanche Detroit Red Wings games, man, they were great because of that intense dislike that those teams had for each other. And that spilled over game to game, brawl to brawl. But I think that's what we're starting. I think with what we're starting to know about the science of the brain, it gets tougher and tougher and tougher to justify that type of violence for the sake of our entertainment. I'm not talking about what DeBoer's talking about, which is in the heat of the moment, you grab a guy and you settle your differences. I'm talking about the game after game after game, premeditated brawls. It's getting harder to justify that for the sake of art entertainment with everything that we're learning about the brain. And like I said before, if there's a dirty hit and a guy needs to account for it in the moment, you know, I'm all for that. But when we get into planning for revenge, you know, against a 38-year-old future Hall of Famer who doesn't really have a history of being a cheap, dirty player, yeah, I think that mindset's a little antiquated. And I'm, I honestly, quite frankly, I'm not sure if it sends the best message to kids who watch the game either. You know, growing up in Canada, there was so much revenge fighting like that on the playground. Why? Because that's what we watched our hockey heroes do on a nightly basis. That was honorable. That was virtue. But you know what? When I was 11 years old, I watched my best friend get his face slammed into the edge of a slide. The guy grabbed him by the head, basically lifted his head and smashed it into the side of a slide, opening a gash right below his eye. I'll admit I was part of a situation in high school where about 25 guys, we hunted down three guys in a shopping mall and thrashed them because they attacked one of our friends earlier. At the time, those type of things felt right. Like, that was the right thing to do. Your buddy goes down, you retaliate with violence and force. Now, here I am in my 30s, I think there's a better way. But when you admire these guys so much when you're a kid, when they're your heroes, when you're a boy and they're men, and you're in the process of learning right from wrong, revenge becomes virtue, right? That's just my two cents on the topic. Let's move on to Kevin LeBanc, who's really struggling right now. 17 games without a goal, just one point since he got recalled from the Barracuda on November 12th. He's been a healthy... uh, Can you edit that? He's been a healthy scratch... Twice since then, he should be getting some points just by the virtue of the fact that he's, you know, he's gotten quite a lot of looks up there on the top line with Joe Thornton and Joe Pavelski. Last night, he gets an opportunity with Lone Couture and Tomas Hurdle. 
Now, the Sharks sent him down to the Barracuda on November 5th because they thought it would give him a chance to regain his confidence. Obviously, that didn't work. He just doesn't look like a confident hockey player out there, and he's headed toward another stretch like he had last season where he finished the year with just one goal in 31 games. For me, you can see the confidence, or lack thereof, in the shots that he's giving away, in the shots that he's not taking. And I kind of pointed out in the second period, there was a point where he's on a two-on-one late in that period. And God, this guy has what Ray Sommer of the Barracuda called the hardest, most accurate shot of any forward he's ever coached. And he hesitates to pull the trigger on that, waits, winds up not being able to get the pass through. Buddy, you got a great shot. Just put it on net. Even if you don't put it in the net, you could create a rebound opportunity for your teammate. By the way, congratulations to Roy Sommer on his 700th AHL win. I can't even wrap my mind about around that. Couldn't have couldn't be happening to a better, more humble guy, a guy with just a passion for the game. And a love for what he does. Big congratulations to Roy Summer, but I digress. The fact is, Kevin LeBanc is hesitating at opportune moments. And this suggests to me that he's playing in his head and not with his instincts. And that's why I think he needs another trip to the minors once the Sharks get one of these dinged up forwards, whether it's Donskoy, Bodker, or Carlson, back in the lineup. You got Sorensen up here now. Let him to stay. Send Kevin LeBanc down to figure it out. Kevin LeBanc needs to find Kevin LeBanc. And you know, after winning an OHL scoring title in 2016-17, he came to the Barracuda last year brimming with confidence. He believed in himself out there, and you could see that the AHL was his oyster upon arrival. No doubt about it. I think it was 13 points in nine games in his first nine AHL games. And that confidence followed him to the NHL last year. He got off to a great start, then it evaporated. This year, he goes out, has an awesome summer of training. Comes in leaner, comes in stronger. Great training camp. Opens the season with a boatload of confidence. Guess what? Three goals in four games. But now it's gone. And you need him feeling good about himself. And I'm not sure that that can happen here at the NHL level. Now there's those of you out there that are going to say he should be on the roster ahead of Yannick Hansen and Joel Ward. Or it's DeBoer's fault for the way he handles his young players. LeBanc doesn't have confidence because Pete has him living in fear of screwing up. Maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure about all that. This is pro hockey. You know, it's not, this is not, at the NHL level, That that's not coddle time. Maybe that coddling, that father figure that Roy Summer is, maybe that stuff takes place down at the AHL level. But I think down, when once you get to the NHL level, it's put up or shut up. So I'm not sure you can throw that all in DeBoer. But that's beside the point anyways. 
The point is that right now, he isn't playing his best hockey. And you need him playing his best hockey if he's going to contribute to this team this year and beyond. And yes, his potential is higher than Hansen's. He has more skill than Hansen. He has a more a higher likelihood to put the puck in the net than Hansen. He has a much better skill set. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Kevin LeBanc playing up to his potential, which is being an offensive contributor. If this guy isn't using that shot and that skill set to produce points, what role is he playing? That's what he does. You don't have him on the team because this guy is a future Selkie Trophy winner. He's up here to produce points. And he isn't going to get there the way he's going right now. Let him go down to the Barracuda. Let him be the best player down there for a stretch of games. And I'm not talking about a two-game window like we saw earlier this year. I'm not talking about the two games that Chris Tierney got, comes back up in 2015-16, and winds up you know, really locking things down on the fourth line. Let him go down there for a month, maybe two. Let him get hungry to get back up there. Let him own that league. Let him get to the point where he feels like he's achieved everything he can possibly achieve with the Barracuda and the AHL. And hey, I need to get back to the NHL because I'm damn ready. And I'm going to go up there confident and I'm going to take that league by storm. Because right now, it's just not working for him. But in order for that to happen, the Sharks will need to get healthy. Don Skoy eligible to come off the IR Thursday. We'll see if that happens. Bodker and Carlson, both with day-to-day injuries. We'll see if any of them make it back to the tank Thursday against the Carolina Hurricanes. And boy, did they miss those guys in Tampa. You know you're dinged up when you're turning to your fourth option, Joel Ward, on the Couture line against the Lightning, who are fast and skilled. Donskoy, nope. Carlson, nope. Bodker, nope. All right, Wardo, it's your turn. Not a good night for that line. Not a good night for the team. As I said before, the Lightning are playing hockey in the year 2035. The Sharks are stuck in 2017. The Sharks are among the best teams defensively. Goals against, shot against. Not when they play the Lightning. Good offense beats good defense in that situation, I guess. The Sharks got run out of the tank by the Lightning on November 8th, 5-1, and they didn't do anything to bridge that gap in the rematch Saturday. As a result, what started as a promising roadie with a 2-0 record, wins over the Philadelphia Flyers and the Florida Mar- or in the Florida Panthers, ends with a mediocre 2-2 mark. But you'll take it, heading home to the tank, Three games. We've got the Canes, the Senators, the Wild. Three and four at home this weekend. Should be a fun weekend in San Jose. Folks, on that note, I need to get to the airport to catch my flight. I am out. Dangle!